0: You know, it's an honor and privilege any time we come together and hear God's Word preached and taught. And we have a special treat tonight. Brother John Cupp and his wife are with us. Brother John has been a, a friend of the White Oak Congregation for many, many years. As we were coming into the parking lot... Uh, John said, "Ron, I think uh, I was thinking on the way over here. The first time I preached at White Oak was 62 years ago. When O. John came to Chattanooga from up north, he had obeyed the gospel and he wanted to be a preacher. And he will tell you about uh, his work as sponsored by the White Oak congregation. But John has a has a very illustrious and successful career in the secular world as well." of uh, the things I know about. Uh, he had a program to educate young people on the, uh, the seriousness of illicit drugs. He also was the sheriff of Hamilton County for many years. He's highly respected in all circles, and we certainly respect him here at White Oak. And it's our privilege to hear Brother John Cup preach to us from God's Word.
1: tell people not to worry about that cane. It's really not a cane, it's a 410 shotgun. (laughs) And that's about the only way I can carry one without having too much danger. But you can look at it like that. When you invited me to come and speak to you this evening, I was really pleased. Uh, You said you didn't give me much notice if you'd give me as much as four hours. Uh, for White Oak, I would have certainly have been glad to come. It was in 1962, 55 uh, rather, let me get back up here. It was in 1955 when I had just finished Florida Christian College in Tampa, Florida and had moved to Marathon, Mar- Marathon Florida to preach. Now Marathon is 110 miles below Miami and 86 miles above Key West. I went down there for the, when I got out of college, I went down there for the Southwest congregation in Miami. He said, there's a congregation, we're getting started there and they need a preacher and could, would you be willing to go and of course I said yes. And We went down there and had a a good work for the first, really the second full time work. And then I decided that we needed to come north, found out my wife was pregnant. I spoke at a church in Alabama, and they said, oh, we want you to come. And I was looking forward to it. My roommate in college, I got with him, and he came to Marathon, Florida, and he, as we said, tried out. And they said to Jimmy McDonald, we'd really like for you to come. So Jimmy came. And as he was making preparations to come and I was making preparations to leave, I got a letter from the congregation in Alabama. And they said, Brother Cup, at this time we have decided not to hire a preacher. Well, that was interesting. Your wife is pregnant. You have absolutely no income at all. And so we went to Jacksonville, Florida. That was Carolyn's home. We stayed with her mother and father, and then I started looking, and I don't know how I heard about White Oak, but I did hear about it somehow. Got in touch with the elders, and they said, uh, well, we'd like for you to come and try out. And so that would be in March of 1955. I came, and I remember it very well. Uh, I spoke at Tiftonia because maybe some of you are not aware of your own history. And we're going to talk about light. I'm going to put some light on things that you've done. And that will serve, I believe, to help encourage you to do more. You started the Tiftonia congregation in 1954, somewhere in that area. That was way out in the country then. Matter of fact, they didn't even call it Tiftonia hardly ever. They called it Wahatchee. And then they got uh, sort of uppity. And they called it Tiftonia. And then they got a little bit more uppity. And now it's Lookout Valley. But it's all the same place. And it's a great place. And you were responsible for starting the work there. When I got there the Sunday to try out, I will never forget it, the benches were eight by eight by 16 blocks, with two by eights for seats. Now, if you want to be uncomfortable for an hour, you sit on something like that. The other thing about the white old, uh, the uh, Tiftonia building, somebody had talked them into putting the heating and cooling system in the attic. That's a no-no. I sat there and preached that day and the water was running out of the ceiling down the floor. Now, I'm not too sure that, you know, I thought maybe I could do better. As a matter of fact, I'd had a report of a congregation in the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania area. And honestly, I was thinking about, ooh, just think I could be in Philadelphia and I could be where the Liberty Bell is and Oh, that was was looking good. And then I came to White Oak that night. They asked me to preach that Sunday evening here. And the subject that I chose at that time was, as they asked at their request, why I left the Catholic Church. And I did present a lesson on that and gave them the background and some of the things that had happened. When I heard about the gospel through a young lady in high school, and did work very hard with her father. I was trying to convince him that Catholicism was correct. And he was as kind a man as I will ever know or ever have known. And Brother Orange would just take time. We would spend hours talking about the scriptures. And finally, on March the 5th of 1950, I realized that I needed to obey the gospel, and so I did. And then as I preached my first sermon, or I will call it that, I had enough material I thought to last me four hours, but after 22 minutes I was drier than the Sahara Desert, and the brethren were good to me. And I guess some would wish that I would go back to 22 minutes now, but that's, that's another story. And so I came to White Oak and I preached that night. I remember some names, last names you'll remember, Green, Young, uh, Wheeler. Some of these men were leaders in the congregation, elders, working hard. And they said, Brother Cup, we'd like for you to come. And I was glad to come. so we got here in April of 1955. As I said, Carolyn was expecting our first child. And back then, you didn't know what it was going to be a boy or a girl. And all I've ever asked for in four children is that they were healthy. And God did bless us with good health, and we were thankful for that. And so we came to Tiftoni. We worked with the brethren there. It was an unusual situation. We had more men who were active in the church there and their wives would not even darken the doors generally it's a little bit different than that but when i think of the work that those men did brother tinker died just not long ago he was an elder at the central congregation every one of those their wives came to be christians and to work with that congregation you did a good job there you brought the light into the valley things were going well we decided that it would be best if we could to build a preacher's home and the men of course and and bill jenkins here and others you worked with us hard and you put the finishing touches on that home and we were thankful for that home well we just about got the for the front porch finished and everything else was done and we went to ohio that's my home on vacation And when we got there, uh, I was really feeling good, happy that everything was going well. Now, we're into the next year. This is not 55, we're into 56. The pregnancy's gone well. We have a young daughter who turned 62 this past Sunday. Now, you're gonna have to realize that I was probably 10 or 12 when she was born because there's a tendency not to admit, want to admit your age, but, 86 is not too bad, and I'm thankful to God for that, because I almost died in 1990, had uh, brain surgery, and uh, did well on the brain surgery, But developed bacterial meningitis after that, and almost died. So uh, I tell people, they say, how old are you? And I say, well, I'm about 27. And they look at me, say, I just started, after I almost died and then came back, I thought, we'd well, just start counting from there. So if I tell you I'm 86, that's what my birth certificate says. But if I tell you I'm 27, that's when that rebirth in 1990. But you did a tremendous job. Had it not been for this congregation, I don't know if there would ever have been or when there would ever be a congregation started in the Tiftonia area. I don't know. But it was because the elders here had the foresight. They wanted to spread the word. They wanted the light to come in. And that's what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about light. And the light that you helped spread there, the light that you helped give there, was a tremendous thing and a great blessing. And I want to commend you for that. Over the years, we've worked with congregations in the Chattanooga area I left the Tiftonia congregation and then went to uh, Eastdale. Eastdale, of course, is no longer there. But I worked with the Eastdale congregation. We had uh, three small children making $125 a week and things were just a little bit tight. And I had thought of leaving preaching and, and somebody was trying to get me to sell insurance. Well, I had been selling insurance of a different kind that was caused and purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. And and I actually talked to an insurance man and took the tests and things. And Brother Bernal Peden at East at the Ridgedale Congregation, rather, he called me. He said, Brother Cup, would you be interested in moving to Rochester, New York? He said, they're looking for a preacher. He had preached there in years gone by before he went back to Africa. He said, there's a good congregation there. Would you be willing to go? Well, I went and tried out. And I agreed that we would move to Rochester, New York. And we moved to Rochester, New York. Our son, George, who many of you know, who preaches in this area, George was born in Rochester. But we brought him back with us anyway, so... When we moved back to Chattanooga, I will never forget, our two daughters met with the Wernley two girls, the second house up. And my daughter sounded so much like pure New York, and the Wernley girls sounded so much like pure Southern. I was embarrassed but the Lord was good to us and both of our girls picked up the accent from this area but Rochester New York is is a little bit different but I enjoyed that work there if you want 186 inches of snow one year I can tell you where to go I can tell you that we had more snow in Rochester New York on two years on what we call Easter Sunday by the calendar than we had at Christmas time and so when you want to talk about snow you can talk about it up there but they get along with it pretty well Uh, all their garbage trucks have apparatus on the front that when you get so many inches of snow they forget about garbage they put the snow plows on and, and they do well and right downtown there is the Genesee River now when I first got there I was really shook up because I thought they were talking about the Tennessee River, but it was the Genesee, but the way they said it, it sounded like Tennessee. And then the main bridge there, part of the bridge section came out, and they filled those snow trucks up and dropped it right down in there, and they never could fill that gorge in. So it worked out pretty well. George was born there, as I said, and then I came back from Rochester, New York, to uh, work with the tyner congregation had 12 and a half good years at tyner and i thoroughly enjoyed it and then from tyner i went to st elmo and worked with the brethren there somebody says well you can't find a job and keep it can you well no we're looking over a 60-year period of time here and then the central congregation was in the need of changing uh, well they actually had changed and uh, They needed someone to help there, and I helped there for about a year and a half. And so uh, it it was good to work with these various congregations and to see the work that was being done. Chattanooga, Tennessee has a number of congregations who love the Lord. And they're standing for the truth, and I'm thankful to God for that. Because there's nothing more important than that. Walk in the light as he is in the light, and we have fellowship one with another. Now, the fellowship that I want with White Oak or any other congregation that we might mention is I want to be able to work with a congregation that really believes the word of God is the word of God and makes no apologies for it. Light is light. Thy word is light. The word of God gives that light. You remember what Jesus said in Matthew, the fifth chapter? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. From the light, the teaching, the word, will come the words and the work that we're supposed to do. I like the way John said this in John the 12th chapter in verse 48. And John records it. The words that I have spoken, the same shall judge you in the last day. If the word is not producing light, it is wrong. And there is no way that we can justify doing anything that God has not told us to do. When we think of the light, if I walk in the light as he ends in the light, we go now to the book of 1 John, the 2nd cha- chapter, 1st first chapter, 1st of all. John's going to talk about the light. John is coming into a period of time when what we call today Gnostics, these were people that were really saying this. Now you need to go with us because we have a better understanding of God's word. Than anybody else has well when I look at the word of God thy word is truth and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free listen to Paul I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes to the Jew first and then also to the Greek or the Gentile depending on your translation If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins. And when we look at the word like this, what does it say to us? It says to us that the God of love that sent his son to die on the cross made it possible that groups like White Oak and Tiftonia and Tyner and wherever it happens to be, there are folks meeting there who, because of the death of Jesus Christ, have hope not only in this life, but in that life which is to come. The important thing is, though, that we've got to keep that light out there. We've got to make sure that people know it and they are convinced. That indeed this is the Word of God. You see what the Word of God does? It takes us from darkness into light. It takes us from sin into hope. It takes us from in discouragement and all the things that go with sin. To the knowledge that God cared enough about us that He sent His Son. And when Jesus Christ came and went back to heaven, he didn't forget about us. So many times we fail fail to look at this thing properly. God's love sent Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ's love made the gospel possible and the church a reality. But what about the Holy Spirit? If it were not for the message revealed from God through the Holy Spirit... Jesus Christ, his thing and the things of the Father. We wouldn't be here tonight. But we are here tonight because Christ loved us. God allowed him to come. The Holy Spirit took the message that he had. And now we can study it. We can study to show ourselves approved unto God. Workmen that don't need to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. And then as John 12 again, the words that I have spoken, the same shall judge you in the last day. And so what's our primary function? Our primary function is to realize the seriousness of people needing light. How did Paul express it? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is everlasting life. When we stop and think about that, as a result of sin, when it came into the world with Adam and then Eve, and then caused the world to be so bad that the flood came and the earth was destroyed by that flood, and then a number of years are going to go by, and I like the way Peter and Paul will both talk about it, When the fullness of time was fully come. When God was ready and he thought we were ready. We have the church. We have the gospel. We have the hope of everlasting life. And when you look around you in the world today. Or at least I look around me in the world today. I see see things happening. That if when I came and preached here in 1955 the first time you had told me some of the things that are common in our headlines today. Or you had told me that even the courts of the land would rule in such a way, I would have told you that I believe, in all honesty, you've got a bad problem. And yet I see things happening today, inside and outside of the church, that had I got up and said they were going to happen when I came here in 1955, I don't know that I would have been hired. They have said, now this fellow so far thinking, he has problems. When I wasn't thinking like that at that time, you know why? I didn't know any better. But I know today the importance of the church. More important than anything else that I know. The family of God is the only hope. Not only for just this nation, but it's the only hope for mankind. Man is living in so much darkness, so much sin today, that it can only take the word of God to give us the light that we need to make the changes. I don't want to think that I could, uh, well at one time maybe I could have said, well now I know one thing about the courts of this country they'll uphold the law they'll take a stand and 50 years ago basically a lot of that was true but now when you have same-sex marriages and you have all the garbage coming out of that and telling us now that you've got to accept this because you don't want to violate people's rights the wages of sin is death the wages of sin will be death until the moment when Jesus Christ came and that's not going to change well Brother Cup I wish we could do more well stop thinking like that and do it you know what the devil wants you to do more than anything here's what the devil wants you to do he wants you to be convinced that there's nothing you can do to change this The light's finished. It's it's all over. Folks, it's not all over. The White Oak congregation has hope. Tyner has hope. All the others have hope if they'll simply turn to the light, the word given to us by Almighty God. That light's not going to change. I left the Catholic Church because I felt that what I knew there was right and everything was as it should be. I was totally convinced that I was right and that Brother Orange was wrong and Shirley didn't know too much either. Well, Shirley worked with me and converted her second, or converted her husband, was also Catholic, and he became an elder of the church also. So from this shedding of light right there, A lot of good things have happened. I've been blessed beyond measure. I'm so glad that I didn't go to Philadelphia. Had I gone to Philadelphia, I don't know what would have happened. I've been in Philadelphia and and Washington and New York City and a number of those places up there. I'm originally from Ohio. And you're not going to beat the South. I'm going to tell you that right now. The people in the South are the best people that I know. We're not ashamed to look at somebody and say, can I help you? We're not ashamed to say to somebody that's hurting, I love you. We're not ashamed to say, you need to know about the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's the only hope there is for you and for me and for the world. So if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ saves us. From all sin. First Thessalonians the fifth chapter at verse five. Ye are the children of light. That's wonderful. You go to the book of first Peter, the second chapter and verse nine, called to be the called to his marvelous light. Now that's the light of Jesus Christ. That's the light that I need. That's the light that you need. That's the light that we need to be preaching about, and then again, First John the first chapter and verse five: God is light, and in Him there is no what darkness. So if I want to have light, I've got to be in Jesus Christ. Galatians the third chapter verses twenty six and twenty seven: You are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have done what you put on Christ. And if Christ is light, then I need to be light also. I need to take the message. I need to be able to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And I want them to know that I'm not ashamed of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of Father in heaven. I'm not ashamed of the Holy Spirit. I'm not ashamed of the church. I'm not ashamed of the things that I know that are wrong that I'm preaching about. I'm not ashamed to preach about those things that are wrong. Because First Timothy chapter three, preacher, you and I have added responsibility. We're going to give an answer to God for everything that comes from this stand, or from wherever you teach your evening class or your your Sunday morning class. Everything that we say, we're going to have to give an answer to. And I don't want to be there on the day of judgment and have somebody walk by me and say. I'm going to be lost because they didn't love me enough to tell me that I was doing wrong. One of the most difficult things we have to work with in this life is what's generally referred to as tough love. And when a person's wrong, you need to tell them in love. And what I want to tell you tonight in closing is very simply this. You need Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Believing that he's the son of God, you want to remember faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And when you study that word, the light is going to tell you this, that you need to repent of the sins that you've committed. That sin has separated man from God since the very beginning of time. Then you need to confess your faith in Jesus Christ, the son of God. And then you're buried by baptism for the remission of your sins, resurrected to walk in the newness of life, new creatures in Christ Jesus you're now children of the light you're working with God but I'm gonna tell you when that happens you need to be aware of something the Bible says that the devil has transformed himself into an angel of light going about seeking whom he might devour once you become a Christian You're going to be tempted more than you were before because the devil wants you back. He's transformed himself into an angel of light. He's trying to lead us astray. And sometimes it happens. And when it does, now we're back to walking in sin. Now we need the forgiveness of God. And if you're here needing to tonight, needing to repent and asking the forgiveness of God, that's your privilege. So if you're here tonight needing the light in any way, we urge you to come as together we stand to sing.